book three of on the laws by marcus tullius cicero translated by charles duke young this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards book three introduction to the third book in this third book cicero treats of the civil laws and the offices and duties of the civil magistrates by whom they are enforced on these topics he lays down a series of legal maxims and then proceeds to give an ample exposition of their several provisions marcus i shall therefore imitate that divine man who has inspired me with such admiration that i eulogize him perhaps oftener than is necessary atticus you mean plato marcus the very man my atticus atticus indeed you do not exaggerate your compliments nor bestow them too frequently for even my epicurean friends who do not like any one to be praised but their own master still allow me to love plato as much as i like marcus they do well to grant you this indulgence for what can be so suitable to the elegance of your taste as the writings of plato who in his life and manners appears to me to have succeeded in that most difficult combination of gravity and politeness atticus i am glad i interrupted you since you have availed yourself of an opportunity of giving this splendid testimonial of your judgment respecting him but pursue the subject as you began marcus let us begin then with praising the law itself with those commendations which are both deserved and appropriate to the subject atticus that is but fair since you did the same in the case of our ecclesiastical jurisprudence marcus you see then that this is the duty of magistrates to superintend and prescribe all things which are just and useful and in accordance with the law for as the law is set over the magistrate even so are the magistrates set over the people and therefore it may be truly said quote, that the magistrate is a speaking law and the law a silent magistrate Close quote. moreover nothing is so conformable to justice and to the condition of nature and when i use that expression i wish it to be understood that i mean the law and nothing else as sovereign power without which neither house nor commonwealth nor nation nor mankind itself nor the entire nature of things nor the universe itself could exist for this universe is obedient to god and land and sea are submissive to the universe and human life depends on the just administration of the laws of order but to come to considerations nearer home and more familiar to us all ancient nations have been at one time or other under the dominion of kings which kind of authority was at first conferred on the wisest and justest men and this rule mainly prevailed in our own commonwealth as long as the regal power lasted afterward the authority of kings was handed down in succession to their descendants and this practice remains to this day in those which are governed by kings and even those to whom the regal domination was distasteful did not desire to be obedient to no one but only not to be always under the authority of the same person for ourselves then as we are proposing laws for a free people and as we have already set forth in six books all our own opinions about the best kind of commonwealth we shall on the present occasion endeavour to accommodate our laws to that constitutional government of which we have expressed our approval it is clear then that magistrates are absolutely necessary since without their prudence and diligence a state cannot exist and 
since it is by their regulations that the whole commonwealth is kept within the bounds of moderation but it is not enough to prescribe them a rule of domination unless we likewise prescribe the citizens a rule of obedience for he who commands well must at some time or other have obeyed and he who obeys with modesty appears worthy of some day or other being allowed to command it is desirable therefore that he who obeys should expect that some day he will come to command and that he who commands should bear in mind that ere long he may be called to the duty of submission we would not however limit ourselves to requiring from the citizens submission and obedience towards their magistrates we would also enjoin them by all means to honour and love their rulers as charondas prescribes in his code our plato likewise declares that they are of the race of the titans who as they rebelled against the heavenly deities do in like manner oppose their magistrates these points being granted we will if you please advance to the examination of the laws themselves atticus i certainly do please and the arrangement seems advisable marcus quote, let all authorities be just and let them be honestly obeyed by the people with modesty and without opposition let the magistrate restrain the disobedient and mischievous citizen by fine imprisonment and corporal chastisement unless some equal or greater power or the people forbid it for there should be an appeal thereto if the magistrate shall have decided and inflicted a penalty let there be a public appeal to the people respecting the penalty and fine imposed Quote, with respect to the army and the general that commands it by martial law there should be no appeal from his authority and whatever he who conducts the war commands shall be absolute law and ratified as such Quote, as to the minor magistrates let there be such a distribution of their legal duties that each may more effectively superintend his own department of justice in the army let those who are appointed command and let them have tribunes in the city let men be appointed as superintendents of the public treasury let some devote their attention to the prison discipline and capital punishments let others supervise the public coinage of gold in silver and copper let others judge of suits and arbitrations and let others carry the orders of the senate into execution Quote, let there likewise be aediles curators of the city the provisions and the public games and let these offices be the first steps to higher promotions of honour let the censors take a census of the people according to age offspring family and property let them have the inspection of the temples the streets the aqueducts the rates and the customs let them distribute the citizens according to their tribes after that let them divide them with reference to their fortunes ages and ranks let them keep a register of the families of those of the equestrian and plebeian orders let them impose a tax on celibates let them guard the morals of the people let them permit no scandal in the senate let the number of such censors be two let their magistracy continue five years let the other magistrates be annual but their offices themselves should be perpetual Quote, let the judge of the law who shall decide private actions or send them for decision to the praetor let him be the proper guardian of civil jurisprudence let him have as many colleagues of equal power as the senate think necessary and the people allows him Quote, let two magistrates be invested with sovereign authority from their presiding judging and counselling let them be called praetors judges or consuls 
let them have supreme authority over the army and let them be subject to none for the safety of the people is the supreme law and no one should succeed to this magistracy till it has been held ten years regulating the duration by an annual law Quote, when a considerable war is undertaken or discord is likely to ensue among the citizens let a single supreme magistrate be appointed who shall unite in his own person the authority of both consuls if the senate so decrees for six months only and when such a magistrate has been proclaimed under favourable auspices let him be the master of the people let him have for a colleague with equal powers with himself a knight whomsoever he may choose to appoint as a judge of the law and when such a dictator or master of the people is created the other magistracies shall be suppressed Quote, let the auspices be observed by the senate and let them authorize persons of their own body to elect the consuls in the comitia according to the established ceremonials Quote, let the commanders generals and lieutenants leave the city whenever the senate decrees or the people orders that they shall do so let them properly prosecute all just wars let them spare our allies and restrain themselves and their subordinates let them increase the glory of our country let them return home with honour let no one be made an ambassador with a view to his own interest Quote, let the ten officers whom the people elect to protect them against oppression be their tribunes and let all their prohibitions and adjudications be established and their persons considered inviolable so that tribunes may never be wanting to the people Quote, let all magistrates possess their auspices and jurisdictions and let the senate be composed of these legitimate authorities let its ordinances be absolute and let its enactments be written and ratified unless an equal or greater authority disannul them let the order of the senators be free from reproach and scandal and let them be an example of virtue to all Quote, in the creation of magistrates the judgment of the accused and the reception or rejection of laws when suffrages are employed let the suffrages be at once notorious to the nobles and free to the people Quote, if any question occur out of the established jurisdiction of the magistrates let another magistrate be appointed by the people whose jurisdiction shall expressly extend thereto let the consul the praetor the censor the master of the people and of the knights and he to whom the senate has committed the election of consuls have full liberty to treat both with the senate and the people and endeavour to reconcile the interests of all parties let the tribunes of the people likewise have free access to the senate and advocate the interests of the people in all their deliberations let a just moderation predominate in the opinions and declarations of those who would thus act as mediators between the senate and the people let a senator who does not attend the senate either show cause of his non-attendance or submit to an appropriate fine let a senator speak in his turn with all moderation and let him be thoroughly acquainted with the interests of the people Quote, by all means avoid violence among the people let the greatest authority have the greatest weight in decisions if any one shall disturb the public harmony and foment party quarrels let him be punished as a criminal to act the intercessor in cases of offence should be considered the part of a good citizen let those who act observe the auspices obey the public augur and carry into effect all proclamations taking care that they are exhibited in the treasury and generally known 
let the public consultations be concentrated in one point at a time let them instruct the people in the nature of the question and let all the magistrates and the people be permitted to advise on the subject Quote, let them permit no monopolies or privileges with respect to the capital punishment of any citizen let it not take place unless by the adjudication of the high courts of justice and the ministry of those whom the censors have placed over the popular orders let no bribes be given or received either in soliciting discharging or resigning an official situation Quote, if any one shall infringe any of these laws let him be liable to a penalty let these regulations be committed to the charge of the censors let public officers on their retiring from their posts give these censors an account of their conduct but let them not by this means escape from legal prosecution if they have been guilty of corruption Close quote. i have here recited the whole law now consider the question and give your votes quintus with what conciseness my brother have you brought before our eyes the duties and offices of all magistrates but your system of laws is almost that of our own commonwealth although a little that is new has also been added by you marcus your observation is very just my quintus for this is the very system of a commonwealth which scipio eulogizes in my treatise and which he mainly approves and which cannot be kept in operation but by a successive order of magistrates such as we have described for you may take it for granted that it is the establishment of magistrates that gives its form to a commonwealth and it is exactly by their distribution and subordination that we must determine the nature of the constitution which establishment being very wisely and discreetly settled by our ancestors there is nothing or at all events very little alteration that i think necessary in the laws atticus tell us then as you did at my request respecting the ecclesiastical laws so also now in regard to these magisterial and civil laws the reasons why you prefer the maxims you have stated marcus i will do as you desire my atticus and i will explain how much of this topic has been investigated and illustrated by the disputations of the most learned philosophers of greece and then as i proposed at first i will touch on your own laws atticus i am impatient to hear this dissertation of yours marcus and indeed i have already stated a large part of the doctrines relating to this inquiry in the books which i composed respecting the best sort of commonwealth on this topic however there have been some peculiar questions with respect to the duties and offices of magistrates treated with considerable subtlety first by theophrastus and next by dion the stoic atticus a stoic say you were such questions ever discussed by the stoics marcus certainly not with the exception of the philosopher i have just cited and after him of panetios a great man and one of singular erudition indeed the ancient stoics were not so deficient in their speculative dissertations respecting politics and laws as they were in the practical application of them to the service of the people the greatest light was shed on this part of the subject by this school under the guidance of plato afterwards aristotle illustrated all matters of civil jurisprudence in his elaborate essays as did also heraclides of pontos another of plato's disciples and theophrastus who was instructed by aristotle was wholly devoted as you are aware to disquisitions of this kind and dicercos a disciple of the same master was by no means deficient in the principles of this science after these 
demetrios phalereus before mentioned drew legal learning by his admirable talents from the shade and inactivity of the schools into the open daylight of civil life and gave it a practical point and efficacy which are of the greatest service in all critical emergencies and conflicts for we often find that men of the greatest weight in the republic are deficient in philosophy and that those who are very learned in philosophy are remarkably ignorant in legal affairs and i hardly know where we could find any besides him who has excelled both in the theory and practice of jurisprudence so as to be at once a prince of learning and of political economy atticus i think i could show you such a man and one of us three too but pray continue your discourse as you have begun marcus these greek philosophers made it a grand point of inquiry whether one magistrate should be appointed in each commonwealth to whom all the rest should be subordinate which system as i understand was what was decided on by our ancestors after the expulsion of the kings but since the monarchical constitution which was at first preferred was changed not so much through any fault in the monarchy as through the vices of a monarch it should seem that the monarchy itself still subsists and that nothing but the name of king has been repudiated if one magistrate is still to have authority over all the rest it was not without reason therefore that theopompos in lacedaemon qualified the power of the spartan kings by the ephori or that we romans qualify the power of our consuls by tribunes for our consuls are invested with such authority by law that they command all the other magistrates except the tribunes who were created some time after in order to hinder those events from recurring which had taken place before for the first diminution of the power of the consuls was the creation of a magistrate who was not subject to it the next was when this new magistrate gave his aid not only to other magistrates but even to private citizens who refused obedience to the consuls quintus you speak of a great evil for since the office of the tribunes of the people was established the authority of the nobles has declined and the rule of the mob has gained strength marcus the case is not quite so bad as you think my quintus for that power of the consuls inevitably appeared to the people not only something too arrogant but also too violent but since wise and moderate limitation has been imposed upon it it diffuses law and justice to all the citizens footnote there is a great hiatus here in the latin text i do not know whence mr barham has derived the sentence within brackets End footnote. bracket let us now come to the exposition of our legal maxims before stated and to pass over that earlier portion whose propriety is almost self-evident let us notice that maxim which declares that soldiers should endeavor to return close bracket, home with unblemished honor for to good and innocent men no prize so valuable as honor can be derived either from our enemies or our friends that maxim is also plainly just that nothing can be baser than for a man to sue for an appointment as a legate for any other interest than that of his country i say nothing of how those men conduct and have conducted themselves who in their office of legate pursue inheritances for themselves and bonds and deeds this is a fault which must perhaps exist in mankind but i ask if anything could be more scandalous than to see senators without commissions and legates without instructions or any public business of a patriotic kind this sort of legation i should have abolished when consul with the approbation of a full senate though apparently its continuance would have been for the interest of the senate 
had not a certain capricious tribune of the people opposed me i succeeded however in shortening the duration of such and what was of great importance made such appointments merely annual and thus though the scandal still remains it has lost its perpetuity but now if you please we will quit the provinces and once more return to rome atticus it pleases me certainly but it would not at all please those who are in the provinces marcus but if they my atticus were content to obey the just laws of their country they would like nothing better than rome and their roman villas and would hold nothing more laborious and troublesome than their provincial appointments a law follows which confirms to the tribunes of the people the power they possess in our commonwealth on which i need not enlarge quintus i beg your pardon my brother but i particularly wish to know your opinion of this power of the tribunes to me it appears extremely mischievous at once the child and parent of endless seditions if we look back to the origin of the tribunate we find that it originally sprang up at a time of civil disturbances when all the chief places of the city were either occupied or besieged after this being soon stifled as one of those monstrous abortions which by a law of the twelve tables are not suffered to live it again recovered its existence only to become baser and viler than ever for what kind of atrocity did it leave undone its first act was a piece of villainy well worthy of its impious character namely the abrogation of the honours of the senate and patricians it reduced the highest ranks to an equality with the meanest agitating and confounding all things when it had thus insulted and violated the gravity of our nobles it was still as insane and insensate as before not to mention a flaminius and others which you may call antiquated instances what laws or rights did the tribune tiberius gracchus leave to the best and worthiest citizens and five years before did not the tribune caius curiatius the basest and foulest of mortals cast into prison the consuls decimus brutus and publius scipio men of the greatest eminence a thing which was wholly unprecedented and did not caius gracchus endeavour to overturn and revolutionize our whole commonwealth by throwing darts and daggers into the forum as he himself avowed in order to excite the citizens to mutual slaughter as if they were so many gladiators why need i speak of the crimes of saturninus and others whose violences the commonwealth could scarcely repel without civil war but why should we mention these antique instances belonging to other ages when so many have occurred within our own memory who was ever so audacious and so inimical to us as to nourish a thought of destroying our state without he had first sharpened some sword of a tribune against us and when infamous and profligate men could not find not only in any house but not even in any nation any such instrument they endeavoured to create disturbances among the people in the darkest places of the republic and what does us infinite honour and secures us immortal renown is the fact that no tribune could be engaged to appear against us by any bribe whatever except that one who could not legally be a tribune at all who used the tribunate as a cloak of villainy as for this monster what crimes did he not perpetrate crimes which without reason or plausible hope he committed with the fury of some savage beast maddened with the violence of the brutal mob i therefore highly approve of the conduct of sulla in this particular inasmuch as by his law he rendered the tribunes of the people comparatively impotent for mischief though he left them the power of giving assistance as for our friend pompey 
in all other respects i extol him with the amplest and warmest praises i say nothing of his views relating to the power of the tribunes for here i cannot praise him and yet i would not censure him marcus you have very clearly unfolded my quintus the defects and abuses of the tribunate but it is unfair with respect to any matter which one is impeaching to state all its faults dwell upon all its evils and omit its merits for in this way you might make out the consulate itself to be a very culpable and objectionable institution if you were to reckon up all the sins of some consuls whom i am willing to pass in silence for even in this power i confess there are some stains of evil but we can never obtain the good which we aimed at in its establishment without those particles of evil that the authority of the tribunes of the people is too great none will deny but the power of the people themselves is much more cruel and much more violent and by having a leader therefore such as a tribune they often behave more temperately than if they had no one at all for a leader remembers that he is advancing at his own risk whereas the violence of the people has no consideration for its own danger sometimes it is suddenly excited and again it is often tranquillized for what body of men can be so insane that not one in ten of its members preserves his senses and as to tiberius gracchus himself his power was destroyed by preventing his colleague from acting and then deposing him for what else was it that ruined him but the fact of his having deprived his colleague of the power of interposing his veto in this matter however observe the wisdom of our ancestors when this office of tribuneship was granted by the senate to the people war ceased seditions were extinguished and that wholesome liberty was secured by which meritorious commoners think themselves placed on a level with the chief men of the state which is one great principle of the welfare of the state but there were two gracchi yes and besides them whatever number you may choose to enumerate you will find it to be the case as ten are created that at all times some have been mischievous and still more capricious and far from virtuous the highest order of the state is indeed far above envy and the people never enter into perilous contentions concerning their rights therefore we must acknowledge either that the expulsion of our kings was unnecessary or that liberty of the people must be guaranteed in fact as well as in profession and as it is their liberty is such that they have been obliged to sue for the protection of many most illustrious men and compelled to yield to the authority of the senate in regard to our private cause my best and dearest brother though it fell under the tribunicial power we had no contention with the tribuneship for it was not the people who had been stirred up to wish to injure us but a pack of miscreants whom they let out of prison on purpose to attack us and reprobate slaves and the terror of the soldiery too was added and to confess the truth we had less to struggle against in our private enemies than in the grievous disorders of the state and if i had not yielded in some measure to the tempest my country would not now enjoy the continued benefit of my services and this the event testified for what freeman is there or what slave worthy of emancipation to whom our escape was not a subject of congratulation but if all the labours which i underwent on behalf of the safety of the commonwealth had been so unfortunate as not to give universal satisfaction if the rage of an infuriated mob had driven me away by the hurricane of their evil passions if some tribune had stirred up the populace against me as gracchus did against linus and saturninus against metellus 
i should still have borne it my quintus with fortitude and have been comforted not less by the counsel of the philosophers of athens who ought to have this power than by the example of the illustrious men who having been expelled from their country have preferred losing an ungrateful city than remaining in a wicked one but when you say that in this one point you do not greatly approve of the conduct of pompey you scarcely seem to me sufficiently to recollect that he had to consider not only what was best but also what was necessary for he knew that a certain share of civic authority must needs be granted to the citizens which as the people so ardently desired before they attained it they would be especially loath to relinquish when once acquired it was therefore the part of a wise statesman not to refuse a privilege to the people which was not essentially mischievous and which also was so highly popular that it could not be denied you know my brother that in discourses of this kind it is customary to express your assent in order that the speaker may pass on to another branch of the subject atticus exactly so quintus i do not entirely agree with you respecting pompey but still i should like you to go on to the remainder of the subject marcus do you then still persist in and abide by your former opinion quintus i do at present atticus i however disagree with my friend quintus but let us by all means hear what remains more to be said marcus the following maxim allots to all magistrates their auspices and jurisdictions their jurisdictions in such a manner that there should still be a supreme court of justice to which appeals may be made by the people and the auspices in order that there may be furnished a plausible method of adjourning useless or mischievous assemblies for in this way it has often happened that the gods have suppressed by means of auspices the unjust impetuosity of the mob again the law that the senate shall be composed of those who have exercised magistracies is undoubtedly one for the interest of the people since it permits none to arrive at high authority without the approbation of the people taking away the power of appointment from the censors but by way of moderating this effect which might be a pernicious one another provision immediately follows by which the authority of the senate is confirmed for the words are these let the decrees of the senate be ratified as laws for the whole result is that if it so happen that the senate becomes the master of public politics and if all men defend whatever it decrees and if all the other orders agree that the commonwealth shall be governed by this superior order there will arise from this amalgamation of rights when the power is in the people and the authority in the senate that modified and harmonious kind of constitution which i have so highly extolled especially if the following law be also observed for the next law is quote, let the senatorial order be free from corruption and let it be a pattern to others Close quote. quintus an admirable law that is my brother and one of extensive application to the end that this order be free from corruption and have a censor for its interpreter atticus but although the senatorial order is wholly devoted to your interests my marcus and retains a most grateful recollection of your consulship i would say if you will give me leave that it would be enough to weary not only the censors but all the judges also marcus but let us leave this question for the present my atticus for our present business is not so much with the senate of to-day nor with the statesmen who exist at this moment as with future generations if any of them are willing to obey these laws for as the law enjoins that the senatorial order shall be exempt from all corruption no one who is tainted with any vice will even seek to enter that order and 
that is an event most difficult to be realized except by a certain education and discipline on which we may perhaps say something if there should arise a suitable place and opportunity atticus a suitable place will certainly not be wanting since you are now laying down a system of laws and as to time the length of the days at present will give you that but even if you omit this topic now i shall at a future time demand your views on education and discipline marcus you shall have them my atticus on that topic and on any other which i may have omitted i will therefore enlarge a little on this legal maxim before cited quote, let the senator be a pattern to others close quote. if this is observed all will go well for as a whole city is infected by the licentious passions and vices of great men so it is often reformed by their virtue and moderation lucius lucullus a great man and a great friend of all of us being rallied for the magnificence of his seat at tusculum is said to have made the following extremely suitable answer that he had two neighbours the greater of whom was only a roman knight and the other a freedman and as each of them had magnificent villas that could not be thought extravagance in himself a consul which was lawful for those of inferior rank but do not you see lucullus that it was owing to you that they had these desires had it not been for your example such an action in them would have been looked on as criminal for who would have borne people of this sort when he saw their villas crowded with statues and pictures relating either to public or what is more to sacred and religious subjects who would not have joined in demolishing the monuments of their vanity and pride if those who ought to exert themselves on such occasions were not guilty of the same extravagance for it is not so great an evil that the chiefs of the city should do wrong though that must be allowed to be very considerable of itself as the fact that there are a great many imitators of those chiefs would you but look into the history of former ages you might plainly see that such as the chief men of the state have been such has also been the state in general and that whatever change of manners took place in the former the same always followed it in the latter now this observation is much more certain than that of plato who pretends that a change in the songs of musicians is able to alter the manners of a nation whereas my opinion is that the manners of the people in general change with the manners and fashions of the nobles on which account great men of a vicious life are doubly pernicious to the state as being not only guilty of immoral practices themselves but likewise of spreading them far and wide among their fellow-citizens nor are they mischievous to it inasmuch as they cherish vices themselves but also because they corrupt others and they do more harm by their example than by the crimes which they commit and this maxim though we would wish to extend its influence to the whole body of senators may also be contracted for even a few ay even a very few men illustrious in fame and fortune may either corrupt or correct the manners of the state but we have said enough on this topic not only now but also in those other books of ours let us therefore proceed to what follows the next law relates to suffrages and votes which as i have said should be notorious to the nobles and free to the people atticus i have given much attention to this maxim but i do not well understand its spirit or its exact meaning marcus i will tell you my atticus and we shall have now to treat on a very difficult question and one which has already been much and repeatedly discussed the question namely whether in case of suffrages at the election of magistrates or in the trial of criminals or in the enacting of laws it is better that the votes should be given openly by poll or secretly by ballot 
atticus is it indeed a doubtful question quintus i fear we shall again differ in opinion marcus i do not think so my quintus for here i hold that doctrine which i know you always maintained that in giving suffrages and votes nothing can be better than an open viva voce declaration but whether that can be obtained is a question to be examined quintus if you will excuse me my brother i should say that that opinion which you here imply is one which greatly misleads the inexperienced and which is also often hurtful to the state i mean that which pronounces a regulation true and proper in itself but at the same time asserts that it cannot be obtained because it cannot be carried without opposing the people for i say in the first place that the people ought to be opposed whenever strict propriety requires it and secondly that it is better to be oppressed by violence in a good cause than to yield to a bad one now who does not perceive that all authority has been taken away from the nobility by the present law of balloting a law which the people when free never desired but which they claimed when oppressed by the domination and power of the chief men of the state therefore those judgments which are passed upon the most powerful men of the state by viva voce votes are more frequent than those which are given by ballot therefore it had been far better to have restrained the excessive influence of the great for unjustifiable objects in elective suffrages than to have given the people a mask and veil by which while the more honourable citizens were kept in ignorance of their individual sentiments they might thus make the ballot a mere cover for corrupt and hypocritical votes for this reason it is that no good man was ever a proposer or supporter of the system of balloting for there are four laws of ballots the first of which concerning the election of magistrates was proposed by a certain gabinius an unknown and sordid agitator the second respecting the adjudications of the people was proposed two years afterwards by cassius who was a noble man but without meaning any offence to his family i venture to say a noble man at variance with all good men and one who was driven to and fro by the idlest rumours of the populace the third regarding the ratification and nullification of laws was carried by carpo a seditious and profligate citizen whose return to the better classes of society never secured him the approbation of those better classes there remained only the crime of treason which cassius himself accepted in the judgment of which open viva voce votes were permitted but coelius soon after thought proper to give traitors also the chance of the ballot but as long as he lived he repented of having injured the republic for the purpose of oppressing caius popilius our grandfather a man of singular virtue in this town of arpinum as long as he lived opposed gratidius whose sister our grandmother he had married when he wanted to introduce the law of ballot for gratidius was raising a storm in a ladle as the proverb is as his son marius afterwards did in the aegean sea to such a length did the quarrel proceed that the consul scaurus when he was informed of what had happened made this remark to our grandfather quote, would to heaven cicero that a man of your courage and honour had better loved to live in the capital of our commonwealth than to bury yourself in a municipal town Close quote. therefore since our design is not so much to give a regular list of the roman laws but rather to revive those good laws that have become obsolete and to propose new regulations i do not think that we ought here to discuss what can be obtained by our people but what is the best for your friend scipio bears all the responsibility of the cassian law and indeed he is said to have been its original promoter and if you pass a law of ballot 
you will incur a similar responsibility for in truth i do not like it at all nor does our friend atticus either if i may judge by his countenance atticus for me i never admired anything that pleased the mob and i regard that as the best state of the commonwealth which our friend here when consul promoted when the chief power in the hands of the aristocracy prevailed over that of the populace marcus i see that you would repeal my law respecting suffrages without any ballot whatsoever but for myself though in those books of mine scipio has said quite enough in his own behalf i am nevertheless willing to grant so much liberty to the people as will leave virtuous citizens in possession of and at liberty to exert their due influence for these are the very words of my law respecting elections Quote, let the votes be notorious to the nobles and free to the people which law was meant to have the effect of abrogating all those laws which were passed subsequently and which in any way mask or conceal the vote such as those which hinder full inspection of any ballot or examination and appeal thereupon and that law of marius which makes the passages to the hustings narrow if these rules are opposed as they generally are to the ambitious i do not find fault with them and indeed if they could but hinder canvassing and intrigue then the people might be allowed the ballot as a vindicator of liberty provided it were so laid open and freely exposed to all honourable and worthy citizens that their authority might be blended with this popular privilege thus leaving the people the power of expressing their deference for the aristocracy but why is it quintus as you just now observed that there were more condemnations passed by the open suffrages of the poll than by the silent secret votes of the ballot it is because the people are contented with having the power and if this be preserved to them then they give up everything else to influence or popularity and therefore to pass over those votes which are corruptly given for bribes do you not see if we could but get rid of canvassing the question in giving votes would be what are the wishes and opinions of the best men by our law therefore the appearance of liberty is conceded the influence of the aristocracy is retained and the cause of contention banished the next law is one which relates to those magistrates whose right it is to treat with the senate and the people it is an important and as i think an admirable regulation that in every transaction with the people or with the senate the utmost moderation should be observed for the advocate of any measure regulates and moulds to his will not merely the opinions and inclinations but i may almost say the very features of his audience and this is not difficult in the senate however for the senator is not a man whose attention is wholly fixed upon his hearers but he rather desires to be considered on his own account we therefore require three duties from the senator first that his attendance in the senate be regular for the multitude of senators lends weight to the arguments of policy secondly that he should speak in his turn that is when his counsel is demanded thirdly that he should speak concisely lest he should become infinitely wearisome for brevity is the best recommendation of a speech not only in the case of a senator but in that too of an orator lengthy speeches therefore are never to be employed except when the senate is precipitating some rash measure as it does far too often through ambition it may be desirable for a speaker if there is no aid to be obtained from any magistrate to occupy a whole day or when the subject of debate is so important as to demand all the copiousness of the orator both in exhortation and explanation in both which kinds of oratory our friend cato is remarkably distinguished and as to the addition that he should uphold the interests of the people 
it is clearly necessary for a senator to be acquainted with the general state of the republic and this is a subject of very extensive application since it comprehends a knowledge of the military affairs the state of the treasury the foreign alliances the friends and stipendiaries of the republic an acquaintance with the regulations the resources and the engagements of each people a sufficient knowledge of the practices of deliberations to maintain them and a familiarity with the precedents of our ancestors you therefore see that the science of politics taxes every power of intellect diligence and memory in order to acquire and maintain that elaborate information without which no one can be called an accomplished senator the next law relates to the public deliberations of the people in which it is especially enjoined that all violence be avoided for nothing is more destructive in states nothing so contrary to law and right nothing less civil and humane than to carry anything by violence and agitation in a sound and constitutional government it commands that respect be paid to any magistrate who interposes his veto than which injunction nothing can be more admirable since it is better that a good measure be sometimes impeded than that a bad one should be carried when i say that in all cases of fraud it is necessary to go before a pleader i follow the opinion of crassus one of our wisest men whose counsel was adopted by the senate which decreed when the consul claudius made a motion respecting carbo's sedition that they could not take cognizance of sedition except through the medium of an official pleader who should lay the case before the people since it was allowable for him who made a proposition to abandon it as soon as it began to occasion disturbance while a man who persists when he can do no good is seeking for violence which is by this law deprived of all impunity then follows the law which states that he who acts as a preventer of evil measures by the interposition of his veto is a good citizen and who would not zealously come to the assistance of the commonwealth when stimulated by the hope of acquiring a character so glorious next succeed certain regulations which we likewise find in the public institutions and laws that the auspices be observed and the augurs obeyed it is the duty of a good augur to remember that it is his duty to stand by the republic at the time of its greatest emergency that he is appointed as the minister and prophet of the all-good and all-great jupiter just as those men are his to whom he has entrusted the auspices and that definite portions of the heavens are committed to him in order that by them he may often be able to succour the state in her hour of danger and necessity then follow provisions respecting the promulgation of laws respecting the proposing their successive counts and clauses separately and the duty of listening to the remonstrances and objections not of the magistrates only but of private individuals after this we find two excellent laws selected from the twelve tables one of which forbids unfair privileges the other will not permit sentence of death to be passed on any citizen except in the supreme court of the comitia centuriata it is a marvellous thing that before such magistrates as seditious tribunes of the people were known or ever thought of our ancestors should have provided so carefully for posterity they forbade laws to be enacted against particular individuals for that is what we call privilege than which nothing can be more inequitable since it is the plain meaning of the word law that what has been decreed should be equally enjoined to all and they refused to sanction any enactments respecting particular individuals which were not openly proposed in the centuriata comitia for when the people are summoned by rank order and age they use much more consideration in giving their suffrages than when they are promiscuously convoked by tribes it was therefore very truly observed in my own particular cause by 
lucius cotta a man of vast genius and consummate prudence that no sentence whatever had been legally pronounced against us for besides the fact that that comitia was held under the fear of an armed mob of slaves and comitia tributa could neither pass capital sentence nor any adjudications of privilege there was therefore no need of a law for the recall of a person against whom no sentence whatever had been legally pronounced but it appeared both to ourselves and to other most illustrious men to be more proper seeing that slaves and vagabonds persisted in declaring that they had passed some sentence upon me that all italy should manifest as openly as possible what it thought on the subject next follow those laws which relate to pecuniary bribes and canvassing and since these cannot be so well chastised by censures as by penalties it is added let all such abuses be visited with equivalent penalty and punishment so that every one may be duly punished for his fault violence being corrected by death avarice by fines and ambition by ignominy the last laws which we have cited are not in use among us though very necessary to the state we have no proper registration of laws our laws therefore are such as the apparitors declare them to be and we are forced to take the word of their copyists as our security we have no public legal registry in which our laws may lie open to the notice of the people the greeks are more careful than ourselves in this matter as they have instituted legal registrars whom they call nomophiliques their office is not only to preserve the original copies of the laws as was the custom among our ancestors but also to take notice of the conduct of men and to recall them to their obedience to the law this care may be entrusted to the censors since we wish at all times to maintain their functions in the state it is likewise to the censors according to our legal maxim that those who retire from magisterial offices should report and explain their proceedings when in office in order to enable the censors to pronounce upon them fairly this is done in greece by publicly constituted accusers who however could never have much weight unless their functions were voluntary and honorary it is therefore better that the case should be stated too and the accounts laid before the censors reserving intact all their rights to the accuser and the law but we have now sufficiently discussed the offices and duties of magistrates unless you demand further information on any point atticus why if we held our peace the very subject itself would admonish you what you ought further to say marcus would it i suppose you want me next to treat of judgments as that is a kindred subject to that of magistrates atticus what then do you think nothing remains to be said on the rights of the romans which you propose to investigate marcus what would you have me say on such a topic atticus i would have you treat of those regulations of which i think it most disgraceful to those who live in a republic to be ignorant for as you remarked just now i can only read our laws by favour of the copyists and so i observe that many of our magistrates are so ignorant of their own laws that they know no more about them than their clerks choose to tell them since therefore when you had proposed to explain the laws of religion you thought it became you to treat of the alienation of sacred things in like manner now that you have described the laws of our magistrates you must discuss their power and their rights marcus i will endeavour to do so briefly if i can for your father's friend marcus junius addressed to him a copious treatise on this subject which in my opinion is extremely well and ingeniously written but on the subject of the law of nature we ought to think to ourselves and to speak from our own hearts but when we are considering the rights of the roman people we must then repeat what has been bequeathed and handed down to us atticus such indeed appears to me the right method of proceeding
and I shall listen with pleasure to all you may choose to say on these topics. Footnote. How many books of this treatise originally existed is not known. It is certain that there were five, and Davies thinks there were eight, but we have nothing beyond the first three. End footnote. Fragments. As one and the same universal nature unites and corroborates all the parts of the world, so did she unite into one harmonious family all mankind. But men, through their depravity, disagreed and quarrelled, not recollecting that they are all consanguineous and akin, and equally subject to the same paternal providence. If this fact indeed were but kept in mind, all men might live the amiable life of the gods. It was a very bold and hazardous measure of the Greek government to consecrate the images of love and Cupid in the public theatres. Let us congratulate ourselves, since death gives us something better than we enjoy in life, and not a worse condition of things, for that immortality may truly be termed divine, wherein the mind flourishes, emancipated from the body, and, being delivered from sensualism, is free from evil. End of On the Laws by Marcus Tullius Cicero Translated by Charles Duke Young Read by Geoffrey Edwards Metacoordinated by Carolyn Proof-listened by Cayo Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards